Welcome to church this morning, or if you're viewing online, welcome online to our church service this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, please open them up to Mark chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 35 to verse 41 this morning. Uh, Just before we get started, I just want to give my condolences to Colleen Walker. Her mother, uh, Ali, uh, passed away this uh, last Sunday, and uh, they were long-term, you know, uh, members of our church, and we just want to pass on our condolences to Colleen, and we love you, Colleen, and we, we're grieving with you at this time. Um, this morning, we are beginning a new series called uh, Encountering God in the Storms, and the reason we are doing this series is because when you think about 2020, it has been a year of storms, a year of storms. Think right back to the very beginning of the year. Uh, We had the bushfires, and who will ever forget seeing those images of bushfires ravaging uh, uh, Kangaroo Island, where people lost their livelihoods and lost their lives. Then obviously we had the coronavirus hit, and people filled with fear and anxiety. And then over the last month, we've seen all the unrest in the world as we've seen, you know, all of the political unrest in the US and, you know, our trade war with China. But not only has it been a year of storms globally, but it's also, for many of us in our church, we've encountered personal storms. I know for some of you, you've gone through difficult times in your work. You've gone through difficult times in your family. You've struggled with mental health during this year. And, you know, if you're like me, you're looking forward to the end of this year and looking forward to, you know, just 2021 can't come any faster But it's so easy just to think, well, when January 1st comes, like, that's it, you know, 2020 is over and done with, we're all finished, that's it. But I think it's very important to ask ourselves, what has God been teaching us this year in the midst of the storm? What has God been trying to teach us through the storms that we've been going through? You know, uh, I was praying yesterday about what I was going to present today, and I actually ended up reading the passage 50 times. (laughs) And on the 42nd time, as I was reading through this passage, it really hit me that maybe what the Lord Jesus wants to say to some of you today is He wants to say to some of you in the midst of your storm, He wants to say to you, peace, be still. Peace, be still. Do you need to hear the words of Jesus this morning in the midst of whatever you're going through here today? Do you need to hear the Lord Jesus say to you, peace, be still? Now, if you're a Christian, you probably, this is a very familiar passage, Mark 4, and the, talks about Jesus stilling the storm and the disciples. But Jesus teaches us some very important lessons. The first important lesson that Jesus teaches us is that Jesus will lead his disciples into storms. Jesus leads his disciples into storms. You see, Jesus is intentionally setting up our life with storms to teach us. Look down in your Bibles in verse 35. The passage begins this way, on that day. Now, what day is Mark referring to? Well, this day began earlier in Mark chapter 4. It was a big, busy day. Jesus had been teaching crowds of people. So so many people were coming to Jesus that uh, Jesus had to push out on a boat from the shore in order to teach the crowds. So many people were coming to hear Jesus. 
And then Jesus took his disciples aside and he started to instruct the twelve and give them specific instruction, giving them the secrets of the kingdom. But you see, Jesus as a master teacher, he doesn't just want us to learn a whole heap of theory, he actually wants us to apply what we've learned. He doesn't just want us to have a whole heap of knowledge, he actually wants us to have wisdom. And so on that day when he had specifically taught his disciples, we read in verse 35, when evening had come, he said to them, the disciples, let us go across to the other side. They'd been on the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee, and he says, let's go across to the other side, the Gentile side, as we're going to see in Mark chapter 6. And then in verse 36, we read this, And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as his was, and other boats were with him. So Jesus said, let us go, and they left. Jesus said, let's go to the other side, and they got in the boat with Jesus, and they went. You know, when it comes to storms, I have this funny equation that I often play in my mind, and it's like this. If I obey Jesus then that should equal a storm-free life. If I tick all the boxes and do everything that Jesus wants me to do, then that should mean I have a hassle-free, easy life. But you see, while some storms may come into our lives because of our own disobedience, you know, oftentimes when we disobey God, God will allow our, the consequences of our disobedience to catch up to us, to get us back on track. While that's true, Jesus will also just bring along storms into our lives. And it's not because we're doing anything wrong. It's not because we're disobeying Him. In fact, we're obeying Him. We're doing what He says. But He will allow storms to come into our lives to teach us and to train us. I'll never forget when I went to Dallas Seminary, one of my mentors said to me, he said, you will have the curriculum that you're learning at Bible college. When I went to train to be a minister, he said, you, you'll have that curriculum, but God will be seeking to teach you another curriculum. You see, in 2002, in obedience to Jesus, Tegan and I, my wife and I, we, um, we sold everything we had. And then we left Australia and we moved over to the United States to go and train for four years to be a pastor. And I thought, you know, this is going to be great walking by faith. This is going to be carefree life. It's going to be, everything's going to go just so smoothly. But it was no sooner that we got there that we encountered a storm. We arrived on a Tuesday at Dallas Seminary, and uh, the, the, uh, the person who dropped us off at the seminary dropped us off in this little unit that we were going to stay in on the seminary, and it was unfurnished, it had nothing in it. And he said, okay, we're going to, I'm going to pick you up in a week's time, Tuesday in a week's time, and then we'll go shopping, and you can get some things for your, for your little unit. And by the way, don't leave because, you know, Dallas Seminary is located in the hood. And he said, if you, leave, if you leave your unit, you'll probably get mugged. But you can go and have meals at the, at the seminary's cafeteria. You can go and have some meals there. And so we were left there stranded by ourselves with two little children, waiting a whole week. We were just going stir crazy in that unit, waiting, waiting, waiting. Well, then about a month later, I received a bill in the mail from our telephone company, and it was over 800 US dollars, a massive bill that we couldn't afford. You see, we had connected our phone to an international phone plan so that Tegan could ring home and call her mum, 
But it turns out, we didn't know this, that you had to you know, make an extra phone call to make the right connection so that, that it would connect up properly. And we didn't know that because we were immigrants. We didn't know what to do. And, uh, and so every time when Tegan was calling home, calling back to Australia, she was renting the satellite, renting time on the satellite. And that's why it costs so much. It was such a storm. Well, then a month after that, my wife came to me and just bounded up to me and she, with a big smile on her face, and she said, guess what, Timon? I'm pregnant. I was like, that's so wonderful, darling. <laughs> we hadn't banked on having any more children. We had two at the time. We had Hannah, who was three, Abby, who was two. We hadn't banked on having any children while we went to seminary because to have children in America was very expensive. And I just wondered, Lord... How are we going to survive? How are we going to survive over there? But you see, God's curriculum for us, God has a different curriculum. He doesn't just, doesn't just want to teach us things in our minds. He wants to teach us some very important lessons. And do you know the most important lesson that Jesus wants to teach you and that Jesus wanted to teach the disciples? The most important lesson that he wanted to teach them and he wants to teach you is this lesson. That he is in control and you are not. Look down in your Bibles. They leave and they go across in the boat and then we read this in verse 37. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now, Mark goes to great lengths to show us that this was not any storm. I mean, they were used to storms. Uh, they were, storms would come often on the Sea of Galilee, I'm told, because of the topography of the Sea of Galilee with mountains surrounding it. The winds can come down and there will be storms that will arise suddenly. But Mark wants to tell us that this is just not any average storm. This is a great windstorm. It was picking up water and dumping it into the boat so that we see a little bit later that the disciples were afraid, so afraid that they would lose their lives. Now let me ask you a question, class. What were many of the disciples? They were fishermen. They knew these waters. They, they were expert salesmen. Salesmen. Sailors. <laughs> And yet they encountered this storm. And it was to teach them that they are not in control. You see, we all suffer from what I call the life control myth. We tend to think that we can control our lives through our technology, through our money, through our strategic planning. That we can control all the situations and circumstances and people in our lives. But let me ask you some questions about control. Let me ask you a question here. Can you control your spouse, yes or no? Okay. What about, what about your children? Now, obviously, you're told to bring up your children and discipline your children, but you can't control the responses of your children. What about, what about people's responses to you? Can you control that? No. Now, there is one thing the Bible says that we should bring under control, and that is what? ourselves. The Bible says in the power of the Holy Spirit, we should bring ourselves under control. But let me tell you something. 
in the end, God, God has this funny idea on your life, and it's this. He has this funny perspective. It's that He is the one who wants to be in control. He wants to be Lord of your life. Now, there's no doubt that when this storm started to arise, the disciples as sail as uh, sailors, they would have started to um, row harder and sail better and bail faster. Row, sail, bail. Row, sail, bail. And how much of your life and how much of my life is just uh, spent in an attempt to try and control everything? We row, sail, bail. Row, sail, bail. Get everything under control so that we can feel secure and safe. But you see, Jesus... Jesus allows his disciples to go through storms because he wants to teach you and he wants to teach me that we are not in in control. He is. Maybe the storm that you are facing right at this moment is purpose-built by Jesus, just as this storm was purpose-built by Jesus for these fishermen to teach them that they are not in control. But you see, Jesus wants to teach something else. You see, Jesus wants to turn our fear in the storm into faith in Him. Jesus wants to turn our fear in the storm into faith in Him. Look down in verse 38, we read, But He was in the stern, that's the back of the ship, asleep on the cushion. And they woke Him and they said to Him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, in the midst of our storm, sometimes it seems like Jesus is asleep. Like he doesn't really care. Have you ever found yourself praying that prayer? Lord, don't you care that my marriage is falling apart? Lord, don't you care that my kids are rebelling against you? Lord, don't you care that I've lost my job? Lord, don't you care that my family are far from you and don't know you? Lord, don't you care? Well, the reality is is that he cares. He cares. And he sets this whole thing up in order to turn our fear in the storm into faith in him. Look in the next verse, in verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, I love this. Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves, but then notice how tenderly he speaks to the disciples. He says to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, both of those questions are very, very shocking, aren't they? Why are you so afraid? Oh, duh, Jesus. The reason we're afraid is because we're about to die in the midst of the storm. That's why we were afraid. Do you still have no faith? Now, let's remember who these disciples were. These disciples, we read about in Mark chapter 1, had left everything to follow Jesus. That's, pretty, that's a pretty dramatic commitment, is it not? Jesus has said, come, follow me. 
And in obedience to the voice of Jesus, they'd left their nets right where they were and followed Jesus. And yet Jesus says that the reason for their fear is because they have no faith. I think they had some faith. They had a theoretical faith in Jesus. But they didn't have an active trust in who he was. And you see, Jesus wants to move us from theoretical faith in him to an active dependence upon him. From just believing some propositions about him to day by day depending upon him. And do you know what he will use to move you in your life from theory to active dependence? You know what he will use? He'll use storms. He'll use storms where you will come to the end of yourself and you will realize that you are not in control and you'll turn to him in desperation. And this will give him an opportunity to work in your life. You know, um, last year, uh, we were over in Nepal, and uh, I'll never forget a conversation I had with a young man called Luke Lama, a Nepalese pastor. And Luke was telling me that um, it was Friday morning, the BSL course that I was teaching, this course for leaders, runs for a whole week, and it was Friday, the last day of the course. And Luke turned to me, and he said, you know, Pastor Timon, this whole week, I've had this bill that I need to pay for my family, and it was coming due on Thursday, Luke said. And this whole week, he said, I've been praying and looking up to the Lord of the church, saying, Jesus, would you provide for me? Would you provide this money for me so that I can pay this bill so I can stay on the course, he said. Because I knew that if I didn't have the money by Thursday morning, I would have to leave the course and go and do some work to pay this bill for my family. And he said, in desperation, every single morning I was getting up and I was saying, Lord, please provide. Lord, please provide. And he said, I came to Thursday morning. And I said, Lord, please provide. And he said, I realized that maybe the Lord hasn't provided. And so I thought maybe I would have to leave and go home that Thursday morning. He said, but then I got this text through on my phone. And it was the exact money had been deposited into my account to pay that bill. And I thought to myself, there is something amazing about that. Here is someone who is really depending on Jesus, really looking up to the head of the church and trusting him to provide. But do you know something? When the Bible says that we need to walk by faith, That doesn't just apply to people like Luke Lama or missionaries who need to walk by faith. That's something that every single Christian, that God expects from every single Christian, every single one of us. He wants to develop in us active obedience where moment by moment, day by day, we are walking, trusting in Him. And the way that we will go from theoretical faith to active trust is actually through the storm. But I love how this passage actually finishes. This is so amazing. Verse 41, 
is just the best. Look down in your Bibles in verse 41 or look up on the screen. It says, and in response, it says, and the disciples, it says in verse 41, and they were filled with great fear. (laughs) Do you get that? (laughs) They were filled with great fear. I mean, they had been afraid for their lives before. Has anyone here been in a situation where you feared that your life was going to end? Has anyone been in a life-threatening situation? Well, they had been in that situation in the storm, but now it says they were filled with great fear. And they said, who is this then that even the wind and the waves obey him? I mean, they had seen sickness obey Jesus. They had seen demons obey Jesus. But now they see even the natural forces obey Jesus. Who is this one? You see, there is this interesting relationship between faith and fear. On the one hand, if you're filled with fear and anxiety it's probably because you're not trusting. You're not trusting that God has the sufficiency to get you through. But on the other hand, the amazing thing is, is that as you come to fear God greater, and as you come to fear the Lord Jesus greater, and understand who He is, then that will lead to greater faith in Him. You see, notice how they were viewing the Lord Jesus. Notice how they were viewing the Lord Jesus in verse 38. They said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They just saw Jesus as a good teacher, as a rabbi. And they were his disciples. They were his learners. But they hadn't yet understood who he was, that he is the divine son of God. And through the storm, they encountered him in a new way. Do you know, as you pass through the storms of your life, you will encounter God in new ways that you have never known Him before. Um, Who here has seen the movie um, Jurassic Park? Who here has seen that movie, Jurassic Park? So, uh, in the movie Jurassic Park, the biggest dinosaur, right, is the what? The T-Rex, right? It's the biggest dinosaur. Remember at the beginning of the movie, Sam Neill and the other lady... And the two kids, they're in the, stuck in this car and they, the, the water is sort of like going, you can see the movement in the water as the T-Rex is coming along. You know, it's powerful, it's huge. But then it's not actually the T-Rex that they're fighting against in the movie, it's actually the velociraptors, you know, these small other really smart dinosaurs. And who will, hear, will forget, you know, the, that scene where the velociraptor learns how to open up the door. Remember, this little paw comes up and it's able to open up a door. But you'll you'll remember, if you've seen the movie, that right at the end, they're being chased by these velociraptors. And then what happens is the T-Rex comes in and eats the velociraptors. Let me tell you a big, important theological point. If the velociraptor be for you, then who can be against you? See, the wind and the waves are not the ones to fear. The one to truly be in awe of, my friend, 
is the one who commands the wind and the waves. That's why they're filled with great fear. They finally got it. The one who to truly be afraid of is not the storm. It's the one who has the power over the storm to say, peace, be still. And the storm is silent. And you see, maybe the problem in your storm is you have a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. Maybe Jesus is someone you've asked into your heart when you were a young child and He can save you from, you know, eternal judgment, but you don't have this perspective of Jesus that He is the eternal Son of God who can work, who is reigning and ruling over all things right now. You see, it's in the midst of the storm that Jesus wants to turn our fear of the storm into faith in Him. To come face to face with the reality of who He is. That if He be for us, then who can be against us? And do you know the awesome thing, my brothers and sisters, is is that as we read this story, right, um, what we're intended to see is another story in the Bible, the story of Jonah. Jonah was also in a storm, and Jonah, you see, the people of Israel, they were not seafaring people, and so they considered the water to be treacherous and to be evil. It was a personification of chaos and evil. That's what they viewed the water as. And Jonah, because of his sin and disobedience, he was running from God, and so what did the sailors do? They threw him into the storm to satisfy the storm. Jesus here commands the storm and says, peace be still. But later on in the gospel, we will read about how Jesus was thrown into the storm of God's wrath to satisfy God's wrath so that we could be at peace with God. And in this situation, it's the disciples, it's, the, it's Jesus who's sleeping, but later on it will be the disciples who are sleeping as Jesus is contemplating going to the cross. But he satisfied the storm of God's wrath so that God's wrath does not abide on us anymore, but we are at peace with God. He is faithful. And if He's faithful to calm the storm of God's eternal wrath, He will be faithful in whatever storm comes your way. So I believe today that Jesus wants to say to some of you, to your storm, peace be still. Peace be still. Now, for some storms in our lives, when we turn to Jesus, God may actually change the circumstances and He may actually bring relief to our circumstances. In other situations, He will give us peace in the midst of the storm. But I wonder this morning, as I was praying, and I was really praying this through, I just felt like there are some people here this morning and you are facing a storm. You are facing a storm. And what you need to do in the midst of your storm, just like the disciples did, is you need to give up control. You need to stop rowing, sailing, and bailing. Stop trying to control everything. And you need to turn to Jesus and cry to Him for help. And then you'll hear in your heart 
him say, peace, be still. He'll give you a peace in the midst of your storm. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Do you need to do that this morning? Give up control. Turn to Jesus. And hear him say, peace be still. And then you will see Jesus in a new light like you've never seen him before. There'll be this new reverence and awe for who he actually is. And your faith will move from just a theory to active trust and dependence on him. Well, let me pray for us this morning. Lord God, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, there are some people here today that are confused because they have been obeying you, Lord Jesus, and yet they found themselves in storms. And they're just, they're just concerned as to why the storm has come their way, but Lord Jesus, it's not because, it's not a storm of judgment or a storm of discipline, it's just a storm of perfection. You're wanting them to let go of control and learn to trust you. You're wanting them to move from a theory, you being a theory, to you being a person whom they depend upon and trust. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are faithful, that you have, you have, you have silenced the ultimate storm, the storm of God's wrath on our behalf, so that we can be at peace with God and so that we can live our lives no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way. We can live in peace. The peace of Christ can rule in our hearts and we can be thankful for whatever comes our way. Why don't you stand with me right where you are right now? And why don't you just think about that storm that's in your life right now, whatever it might be. What, it, what is that storm? What is that storm right now? It's in your life. And why don't you just let go of control and say, Lord Jesus, I give this to you. I give this to you. I thank you that you are in control thank you that you are in control of my life. You are in control right now. While the waters rage around me, while the sea is just going all around me, you are in control, Lord Jesus. 